Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi everyone and welcome to Humanly. My name is Daniel Reuters and today I'm joined by Audra Starkey and Audra is a, a clinical nutritionist and she runs a business called The Healthy Shift Worker. So welcome along, Audra. It's great to have you here. Hi, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Not a problem. I've been trying to organize a time to speak with you for a couple of um, <laughs> months and we're finally here. So it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. You've been doing some pretty amazing work with shift workers over the last couple of years. So did you want to talk about what got you interested in that and what your journey's been like over the last few years with uh, the healthy shift worker? Yeah, sure. So he's in my other life. (laughs) Um, I do have a shift working background. So I spent over 20 years in the aviation industry as in ground operations uh, here at Brisbane. Um, at the domestic and international airports. So yeah, that's been my life. I've kind of lived and breathed shift work, which means I've lived and breathed it, getting up at ridiculous amounts, um, you know, or stupid o'clock as one of my clients lovely <laughs> explained it as, uh, you know, getting up at maybe 3 o'clock in the morning and finishing at midday or, or working an afternoon shift or even during the night over at the international terminal. So, I certainly um, know exactly how hard it is and how tough it is. Um, And although I did have a few, a couple of years there where I was working as a trainer for Qantas where I did do a couple of years stint of Monday to Friday, uh, you know, starting at 8 until 4, which can I say as a shift worker is the most strangest, bizarre thing to kind of get up at the same time and go to bed at the same time and, you know, have weekends off. It's it's bizarre. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's good and obviously I really enjoyed uh, working as a trainer and it, it's actually kind of led me to, yeah, what I was doing now. So uh, as much as I really enjoyed my job uh, as, as a trainer, I did become start to become a bit frustrated because I was just delivering kind of the regular corporate training programs. But I was taking a step back and I could see that my colleagues uh, were very sick uh, and they were eating not the healthiest of foods and there was nothing there to support them or help them to stay healthy. And I could vouch for that for myself. I'd spent, you know, over close to two decades at the time, you know, no, there wasn't a single anything within the three different airlines that I've worked for teaching us how to take care of our health. And, you know, that forms our job, like whatever it is, whether, you know, they're a nurse or um, police or something like shift work that tag is a part of what you do and um, so it kind of led me I thought well I need to learn more I need to learn more about it myself um, although you know I'd sort of battled tried to keep myself healthy you know myself over that time uh, which 
miraculously, you know, I, I started off pretty bad in my early 20s, as you do, um, but I managed to get, take care of my health, you know, quite well. But I knew that I needed to learn more. So I knew that that involved going, you know, back to uni and to learn to study. And so I dipped my toe in and started a few online courses uh, to see if I would like it, to see if I could do it. You know, I was, you know, close to 40 at the time, you know, going back to study is pretty terrifying thought. Um, but, um, yeah, I just ended up getting a redundancy for Qantas and then um, so I could finish um, the degree. And through that whole time, uh, Daniel, there was always a laser focus on shift workers. I Nothing was going to deviate me <laughs> away to specialise in another um in another industry and this is going to sound really corny but I really was doing it for um shift workers my workmates because I know that no one was um and so every you know most assignments that I would do through the study was had something to do with shift um sleep deprivation or um um you know eating at different times and and so forth or you know so I'd research shift workers all the time um, and I'm sure my lecturers roll their eyes at some of the, <laughs> the same kind of stuff that was coming through it's like you know um but I was I was passionate about it and I still am um because um I just know that they're one of the most um misunderstood people on the planet and no one can really understand how tough it is um so yeah anyway eventually I've I you know went into clinic and I just started to see uh, shift working clients and then when I graduated I, I I I went and did sort of spent two the first two years when I left just seeing clients online so one-on-one I knew that I didn't want to sit in a clinical setting per se so I just did it online uh, but the I guess the the big part that I was just noticing because I was seeing the same kind of thing popping up, there were two things. Is number one that they were not valuing their sleep or understanding how critically important it is to their health, and it's very difficult to change somebody's behaviour when they're sleep deprived. As I was, you know, as a clinician, you will understand that. Um, so I knew that I was going to have to. Um, so I felt like I was putting the, the horse, the cart before the horse. So I had to flip things around, and um, a bit of a I like to reverse engineer things to understand why. So I started to really focus on sleep, and I learnt just started going down the path of wanting to learn more about sleep. And then the second part, um, so yeah, I just wanted to get the better results. But the second um, the second part was uh, understanding about um, you know food. Um, sort of food timing and how so many of of my clients were just presenting with all these horrible chronic health conditions that I knew deep down was preventable but it was a severe lack of education again because I'd I'd experienced it myself there was no um, you know education around these foundational um, concepts to to prevent them because I didn't want people to have to keep coming you know I didn't want this to be this continual you know people coming in and out in and out in and out of my clinic and coming to see me I didn't want people to have to come and see me I wanted to help them so that empower them so that they didn't get sick in the first place um so which which is actually then um sorry old and which then obviously led me to the educational perspective. I knew that I needed I knew, needed to start educating people, and I always had a 
a big picture of um, wanting to make the biggest impact or reach as many people as I could, which is why I had started a podcast and I wrote my book. But I knew that if I could get into the workplaces and be talking, you know, to 20, 30 people or more um, in a group setting, I could sow a few more seeds and I could you know, start to get people to think and, you know, and I, I do come in quite brutal by saying, you know, like it's not, it's not it. like shift work is quite deleterious on your health. You do need to take responsibility for it. Otherwise you will end up with X, Y, Z, you know, chronic health condition that I was reading about and, and I was seeing in my clients and, um, you know, I've always been about prevention. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't, I just don't, don't, I didn't want so many people to become the statistic that I was reading about and that I was seeing and and at the end of the day just because you are a shift worker doesn't necessarily I want to reinforce to empower people in the belief and understanding is it just because you are a shift worker doesn't mean that you are going to end up with one of these chronic health conditions but if you don't um, you know a change make some changes to your lifestyle and diet and something then you will Mm, yeah, it's interesting how your knowledge and passion has stemmed from your previous experience. So you're obviously, uh, I think they call it like the wounded healer, right? Uh, <laughs> you, the, the, the healer suffers from an affliction or a, is put into a situation and they overcome it or they deal with it and then they're able to help educate others. And I think that's a really powerful message, certainly for people who are trying to look for something to focus on in in their career or um you know come up with a specialty and you've done really well with uh helping to educate people around uh, being healthy as a shift worker and you made a little comment just before that shift workers are the most misunderstood people on the face of the planet what do you mean by that well unless you work shift work yourself you've really got no no real understanding or appreciation of just how incredibly hard it is and um, you can sort of nod and say, you know, yes, I understand, but you don't. Like mm. you really don't and unless you've actually lived and breathed it. And, um, I mean, obviously if your partner um, works shift work, well, you do have a little bit of an inside, um, you know, I guess perspective of it, but you don't know just how hard it is when that alarm clock goes off at three o'clock in the morning. And then depending on what you do, you know, coming in and, you know, we're having to sort of put on that smile, happy, everything's wonderful at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning and, you know, be all friendly, you know, it is really putting on a bit of a facade. Um, but, you know, that's what we do. That's what we signed up for. Um, mm. And I just, I don't think people understand or have a true appreciation of, um, yeah, the, the ramifications of how it can affect uh, our relationships um, from a health perspective. It's, uh, yeah, very, um, yeah, very multifactorial. Yeah, when I was getting myself through uni, I worked in a shift job and yeah, I remember those yeah. very late finishes or early morning starts. They were always fun. I could probably only do it when I was that age. I wouldn't be able to do it. Now I think it would just destroy me pretty quickly. But there are people who do this for the majority of their life, right? So it is important for them to know that there are risks associated with shift work and obviously implementing strategies which can 
help to reduce their risk of developing chronic disease. So you mentioned a few things there that shift workers need to be mindful of addressing. So the first one was sleep. So can you talk a little bit about why having disrupted sleep patterns is so deleterious to health? Yeah, well, um, the end of the day, I, I, I guess I, I sort of describe this when I'm, when I'm doing my presentations, is that when it comes to, uh, you know, how our health becomes affected, we can't, we don't last very long without oxygen. Like, you know, that's the most important. Then mm. water underneath and then, and then underneath is actually sleep and nutrition and then exercise and stuff, but we don't always put that into perspective. Um, and uh, another way I, I kind of try to describe it to people is that if you were to not eat for two to three days, which I'm not suggesting as a new diet for 2021, um, but after that time you would no doubt feel tired, you know, lethargic, you'd probably lose a bit of muscle mass, lose a bit of weight and so forth. But, you know, after that you're still going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You know, you're going to be all right. But if you didn't sleep for two to three days, you'd barely be able to function and you'd begin to hallucinate. Like if that's not a clue from Mother Nature to tell us how incredibly important it is, um, and it just has this massive flow-on effect to everything, um, it, it really does form the the foundation. And, again, as, a, as I kind of describe in my workshops is if you imagine a table, and each leg of that table, uh, Daniel, represented sleep. But you put things on that table like nutrition, stress, your relationships, um, your coping mechanisms, all these types of things that sits on top of that table. But if I was to come along and yank out one of the legs of that table, which is sleep, what's going to happen to everything on that table? Yeah, it's going to fall off. Exactly, exactly. And that is where the sleep really does form the, the foundation. And because of, um, you know, shift work, it's not only the um, the lack of sleep, it can, be, um, the, the, it can be the lack of sleep, the quality gets affected, and then you've got that, yeah, that circadian rhythm um, disruption again. So it is that, that double whammy uh, that, um, that, that happens. And... Throughout all my life of, again, working shift work, again, I'm just explaining myself, I never knew, I had no idea that some of the effects that, that poor sleep can have on our health from a, you know, it makes us more prone to the, you know, the cardiovascular diseases, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes. I had absolutely no idea. And I know why, because I was never given the education for it and and again, this is where I kind of want to come in to to bring that awareness to people to not, and then it, then you know leave that in their court so that they start to take more responsibility with their sleep, uh, to value their sleep because there's a there's definitely a theme there which was quite surprisingly I was noticing amongst my clients that I didn't feel they actually valued their sleep enough. I, I distinctly remember having one client. Um, which is a police officer, and, you know, trying to get her to go to bed was so difficult because she said, I just, I've got too many other things I need to be doing. And I'm going like, <laughs> yeah, but you're starting at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's not about, you know, vacuuming the house. Before. It, it, it's <laughs> as strange as this is, but it's um, people don't understand that, you know, that connection and, it, you know, too much of uh, it makes us prone to 
a lot of neurodegenerative, you know, conditions, Alzheimer's, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, and then and they're doing things that can make it work. There's what I call a like a, a shift work um, stimulant sedation cycle. People get caught up on, you know, the alarm gets off, so they first go for the coffee. So we're talking about just before we went to air. And then they go mm. in and then they eat all the sugar and the high-carbohydrate food. So they're still in stimulant mode and then they have all these crashes and then they get home and then they get stuck into alcohol, thinking it's going to relax them, which we know that it does initially, but it upsets that rapid eye movement, sleep, and they just it just becomes this vicious cycle. Um, so, again, it's having that awareness so that, you know, we can start working on ways to in, in improve it and and a lot of it's it is about focusing the stuff that you have have control over because the rosters it depends on your occupation what you do the type of rosters um you know, just working with what you've got and you mentioned that things like heart disease and type 2 diabetes are mm. of higher prevalence in people who aren't sleeping properly so are they the types of diseases you're seeing more in shift workers or are they suffering from other conditions as well yeah and obesity which obesity, know, kind of yep. ties in um definitely ties in you know most shift workers have struggled with um their weight at um at some point of in time uh and again looking when i was working one-on-one with clients and that was the the big massive aha moment that i had when I started to ask people um, not only, you know, what or and how much they were eating, it was when they were eating. And that was a huge drop of the penny moment for me because the responses I was getting just floored me at what they were eating and when they were eating. And, um, you know, I've, I've I've heard uh, other people say, oh, we'll just tell them to to flip their meals depending on their shift and that never sat right with me. I thought, no, there's something, <laughs> you know, we are these innate, you know, um, diurnal creatures. We're not nocturnal, just flipping your meals. That kind of doesn't seem like the right thing to do and that, yes, really sent me down the path to learn more about circadian medicine, chronobiology and chrononutrition and it um it, it it was really I guess a game changer and it formed a fundamental part in what I do so the sleep and then the the chrononutrition or the or the food timing aspect because it, it really is a deal breaker for shift workers we don't when you work 24 7 it means that you eat 24 7 and yeah that's when all those chronic health conditions can rear their ugly head over time of course so when is the best time for shift workers to eat and when's the worst time for them to eat i've never really thought about chrononutrition before oh there you go um that's because your your shift working memory is long gone when you're in your 20s it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just eat it you know breakfast lunch and, and dinner and, and and so forth so um yeah um so ideally we want to eat as is more in sync with our circadian rhythms like our nine to five non-shift working cousins to be honest um but mostly the big one is to really avoid eating too much during the night time um and that um you know because like our hormones are involved in a lot of you know glucose metabolism like insulin and cortisol and stuff because they all exhibit this certain circadian um 
oscillations and they're more active during the daylight hours. However, a lot of shift workers, the night shifters in particular, they have this nocturnal consumption of carbohydrates. So when I realised that the, um, you know, that, that kind of ability to keep our blood sugar down because the pancreas doesn't work in its way in the same way as it does during the daylight hours, as it does during the night, it was like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, I get it now. I'm putting the, I'm getting the piece of the puzzle. It's why so many shift workers, particularly night shifters, are overweight, are getting insulin resistance, pre-diabetes mm. and so forth because they are eating not only at the worst time, but they're eating the worst food, mm. which happens because, you know, we're lack of sleep, so our body craves sugar, so it wants that for energy, so it's, it's a difficult thing to kind of fight those um, sugar cravings. But really we need to be minimally, as I say, we need to be minimally eating during the night when our digestive system is sleeping or at least trying to. So because if we were at home, it would be sleeping, um, but because we're up and about doing it, you know, at work, um, it, it's you might be awake, but the digestive system doesn't want to be awake as much as you don't want to be awake either. Um, but having that basic understanding that, um, that, you know, we have, I shall go back a step, that we have our whole bodies are made up this has blew my mind when I learned this as well, that pretty much every tissue and cell and organ in our body has this little clock in it. So everything's kind of ticking away, ticking away, you know, certain things, you know, hormones, enzymes and everything are meant to be released at certain times. Um, so it's like this big orchestra. So we've got this superchiasmic nucleus in the brain um, which kind of acts as that, you know, it helps to synchronise the whole clock. And then we have all of these peripheral clocks, yeah, in, as I said, in pretty much every tissue cell um, in the body. And it's when we have this alignment, so not only from the light-darkness perspective, but when we're eating out of sync, that leads to that circadian misalignment. Um, and, yeah, over time, you know, the pancreas kind of can get worn out, basically. But it's trying to pump out all this. It's madly trying to pump out because um, your blood sugar's up high all the time, so it's continually trying to pump out to keep the insulin down. But your poor little pancreas is is normally asleep at that time. <laughs> mm, that's right. So it's not it's not doesn't work as effectively during the daytime. So it's very hard to keep that blood blood sugar down. And we know that um, you know having too much blood sugar in the cardiovascular system is toxic. So there's yes. your link. Is another one of the links to the chronic kind of health diseases. Um, so, yeah, I've, I guess I'm, I really try to educate people to have this understanding of, of um, you know, being mindful what you're eating during the night and so having something that's definitely having more hydration during the night and having things like, um, you know, soups, smoothies and broths, um, stuff that's going to be very, um, you know, reduced digestive load. Again, uh, that's something I didn't forgot to mention. Actually, shift workers are prone to a lot of gastrointestinal complaints. Ah, I see. Yeah. So again, eating at the wrong times, eating the wrong food at the wrong time, and all this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, having those types of foods that are um, more, um, I guess, liquid nutrition in a way that the body can actually absorb the nutrients much more easily, much more effectively, and you're also sneaking in a little bit of extra hydration. And we know not only sleep leads to fatigue, but dehydration leads to fatigue. So you've got that kind of happening 
battling with um, and a lot of people don't drink enough during the night because we're often cold. So if we're in air conditioning, we don't drink enough, so we're dehydrated. Um, that adds to your fatigue and it's, yeah, a little bit of a slippery slope. <laughs> it can yeah. be. Mm. So this is, is this the same for all shift workers or does it depend what type of work you're doing whilst you're in a shift working job? I don't know if what I'm trying to say there makes sense because obviously you'd have like some people who are shift workers who might be in a sedentary job whereas you've got other people mm. shift working who might be physically active mm. so are there risks reduced if they're physically active or does it not really matter is it sort of equal across the board um, well i can only just make a general comment on that is and i think sure. if you know the more sedentary we are the more it raises our risk for a lot of you know, chronic health conditions anyway, doesn't it, regardless if we're working shift work or not. We all should be, you know, a lot more active um, and so forth. And so, of course, yeah, if you're, um, you know, sitting in a call centre, for example, during the night time um, and if you're uh, continually, as you do, drinking copious amounts of coffee or energy drinks mm. to kind of stay awake, then we know that that's... Um, you know, raising your stress, it's putting you um, into that fight or flight stress response that causes, you know, all that extra, um, you know, release, uh, the, the stress hormones become released and then over time, um, you know, that ends up leading to weight gain and, and, and so forth because they're not, you know, you're just sitting there, you're, the body slowly, you know, accumulates fat stores because the glucose is, yeah, hasn't been burnt off if you were up and moving about. Um, so, yeah, and I think even from a fatigue perspective, it would be much better if you could have a job that where you're on your feet more to keep awake. I mean, it's, mm. it's, that's one thing that's very difficult because you are battling with that, that sleep pressure that yeah. from being awake when you, you know, should be asleep. Uh, it's very, yeah, it's a hard thing to battle with. So if you have someone who's a shift worker coming in to see you, is there something that you would address um, across the board for all shift workers? Like it's like, yep, if this person comes in, they're going to get X, Y, Z straight off the bat because every shift worker suffers with a similar thing or is it still very individualized for each person, do you find? Well, I guess it depends. If they come to me and they're wanting help with a specific thing, then I would work on that. But but again, I would always, I would usually <laughs> start with the sleep because it's yeah. often overlooked. Um, actually, I'm working with somebody about at the moment with that, you know, they're talking about XYZ condition and they've been seeing a lot of different health practitioners but they've never, no one's addressed their sleep with them. And we know that that forms the foundation, you know, of our um, you know, immune system and so forth. That's just something that's kind of been overlooked prior. So in answer to your question, I will always dig deep, quite deeply with their sleep. I want to know, you know, what shifts they work exactly and what sort of behaviours and lifestyle behaviours that they are doing that they might not, they might inadvertently not know that they're sabotaging their sleep because, again, yeah, right. it's that lack of education. So we don't know what we don't know. We can't fix what we don't know. Um so, yeah, I will always usually start with sleep, you know, whether they kind of want me to talk about it or not, because a lot of people 
they just don't understand the gravity of the situation. Um, you know, I've had clients that will do their night shift and straight after night shift they head straight to the gym or they go and meet right. girlfriends for breakfast or they go and get their hair cut or something like that. And I'm kind of going, what? Like, you know, like your body is is depleted. All it wants to do is sleep. But when you go to the gym, you know, you're pumping out more stress hormones, you're putting yourself into an even, you are literally biologically stressed on a cellular level from being awake or during the night all your body wants to do is sleep so and then I you know and I've had people that eat their main meal at 3 a.m thinking that that's the right thing to do but as I've just explained why that's not such a good thing to do um yeah it's understanding the shifts and and you know what they have to do what they can and can't change um but yeah sleep and then obviously that leads to um they you know when when they're eating and then yeah and then kind of go from there so essentially what you're saying is like as soon as someone comes off a shift they need to sleep regardless of what yeah time of day it is yeah absolutely interesting yeah because well, a lot of people don't do that do they no? like they'll they'll keep going until they feel tired but because they're running on that adrenaline they may not sleep for hours after that yeah, exactly. And you've made a very good point is that because in order to be able to sleep, we must be relaxed. And so many people are not doing things to help to, you know, allow that mind and body kind of thing to relax because, yeah, they're, um, you know, in that sort of, um, yeah, fight or flight kind of wired, tired and wired kind of um, situation. But when you think about it, like a nine-to-five person will finish their shift and they'll go home and they'll have a, um, you know, dinner or whatever and then they'll eventually go to sleep. But they, it's it it can be even like up to 16 hours by the time they finish at 5 p.m. and then they're back at work at the next day at 9. So they've got like a 16-hour gap between shift, I suppose, if you call it that, nine-to-five, whereas... Mm you've got somebody that's on a late early so the, mm. and they've only got an eight-hour turnaround. Like they've got half the amount of opportunity for someone to sleep and yet, and that's why, yes, so that, that sleep priority has got to be because you don't have that luxury of, of, quali- of quantity. You need to really, you need to really kind of get your quality you know, mastered <laughs> and quantity. Yeah, it's pretty pretty rough on that short turnaround oh yeah they're brutal yeah what are you recommending that people do then to reduce their stress levels and to get off to sleep have you got some like sleep hygiene um, recommendations that you give people like what, what have you found to be the most effective uh you know this is going to sound very a basic but it's kind of been a bit of a game changer I've found with with my clients is to actually uh leave your mobile phone out of your bedroom and oh, interesting yeah and it's a it can be like asking somebody to chop their arm off <laughs> you know it's because mobile phones have become like a third appendage for so many of us and it's difficult for some people to kind of do that and a lot of people use their mobile phones for their alarm clock um, but that's kind of a, a dangerous path for, well, you know, these unknown of these EMFs, electromagnetic radiation fields, just because we can't see it doesn't necessarily mean it's, um, you know, not affecting our sleep. And there is research out there that has, uh, has demonstrated that. Uh, but it's not even just that. It's that light 
you know, that light that's being shone into the eyes, um, which is, um, you know, suppressing melatonin, the sleep-regulating hormone that we need, whilst at the same time in um, stirring up cortisol. So, you know, the, the sleep is not going to happen anytime soon because you're sending a message to your brain that it's daytime uh, and mm. there's no need to be sleeping now. And then, of, of course, you've got the stimulatory effects of just having a mobile phone in there and the, you know, wanting to, again, I've had clients seem to say that, you know, they just jump on Instagram and send messages to their friends or Facebook and sometimes they're reading quite stimulatory things um, mm. which can then, you know, what if you read something that's not particularly nice and then you're trying to sleep and, um, yeah, it's we are living in, um, Daniel, and I think you all agree with this, like, Going back 20 years ago compared to what it is now, we are living in such an overstimulated environment. Like Absolutely. We've just got stimulation left, right and centre and we're also exposed to light too much and it too at wrong times that is having, you know, um, you know impact uh, on our health and well-being. We're not getting enough vitamin D sunlight, but I also used to, I say that, you know, we're not getting our vitamin D for darkness either. Hmm, interesting. Interesting <laughs> concept. So you're talking about nutrition uh, just before, so some uh, recommendations there around having like easily digested or pre-digested foods like soups and things. And you're also mentioning that foods that are high in refined carbohydrates are particularly detrimental for shift workers because they've already got that impaired insulin sensitivity mm. and pancreatic function. So are you recommending that they try like ketogenic type diets? Um, oh, I dislike the labels. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally get it. We were talking about that before the podcast as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm not a yeah, I'm not a fan of labeling kind of diets uh, as such. But you know, in in their def, you know in that defence though, that there are a lot of different diets out there, and a lot of been a lot of been proven to work, whether it's scientifically or anecdotally. Um, you know, people have actually got benefits for it. So a keto diet can be quite strict, though, and quite ruthless as opposed to kind of more going into that low-carb, you know, high-fat kind of approach. But I have actually found that some people that have gone the keto way, and I, I, I get your methodology of it because, yes, obviously it's going to, it's going to be less of that blood sugar spike and, and so forth. But if you're too ruthless with not having carbohydrates at all and, you know, I think it's not ideal to remove any type of food group completely, like, you know, it's there for a reason. We should be having, you know, a little bit of everything. And mm. if you're having, um, if you're like having no carbohydrates at all, um, I've noticed that some people, they don't sleep well. From, because if their blood sugar drops too much, so especially for example, if we'll go, we'll go back to um, a night shifter, but this kind of applies to it really any time. But if you do your night shift and then you you go home straight to bed without eating anything, you know, and we get it because we've barely got enough energy to you know have a shower and walk through the door. We just want to crash on the bed. But if you don't have anything to eat. Um, you know, if you've gone too long, 
you know, with, with our eating. And I, I do want to say that this doesn't apply to everyone, but it can apply to a lot of people because we're all different. But if you go for too long and your blood sugar drops too far, well, then, you know, the, the human body kicks in and does what it's supposed to do. It goes into the survival mode of mm. going, oh, my gosh, your life is in danger. Your blood sugar has dropped too low. I need to release all these stress hormones for you to wake you up. And right. that's why people can sometimes not sleep well because their blood sugar has dropped too low. And particularly after night shift, we want that's not a good strategy. We want to we want that sleep maintenance um, as best as we can um, using with what, you know, we can't stop the lawnmower man next door, you know, <laughs> going and firing up his mower. But um, yeah. Uh, but you know, yes. Again, it's focusing on the things that you can control. So yeah, I, I that, just noticed. I have noticed that. That's so interesting. When you talk about making sure that the blood sugar is not falling too low and and helping with sleep onset and um, maintenance, maintenance. Yeah. So, what sort of carbohydrates should shift workers be ingesting? Then, obviously, staying away from the refined things mm. like breads and biscuits and other things. They're probably very commonly available in the staff canteen too right what 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 sort of um, carbohydrates should they be eating yeah well it's just really getting back to you know basic stuff having more of the uh, whole real foods whole real plant foods um, you know because again you're not going to get um uh well that you know that that spike um in blood sugar that you would from um you know a a bowl of lollies versus having, um, you know, a vegetable dip with some vegetable sticks because you're going to get the fibre, the antioxidants, the nutrients, um, and the hydration and so forth to, you know, to keep that blood sugar stable because we don't, um, and even, you know, and fruit, you know, kind of fruit comes into that too, but, you know, obviously not eating, you know, kind of too much. But, you know, I think people have been kind of a bit I think poor poor fruit's been given a bad rap lately um, because if mm. we eat you know people get a little bit nervous about it but people don't de- develop you know diabetes from eating too much fruit like mm. yeah, that's kind of not how it happens it's uh, but if you're you know just having um, you know whole fruits with that fiber it does fill you up and as I said it you know you get all the phytochemicals and so forth in it um, but it, it helps to offshot, offshoot, yeah, a blood sugar spike. Um, so, yeah, so obviously having um, more plant-based foods, you know, the salads and so forth. But, again, I I like to sort of even remind people that not eating too much of that, as healthy as, as, healthy as a salad sounds, if you're having too much of a dense salad during the night, the added roughage, can be quite um, aggravating on the digestive system at two or three o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, so again, that's just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, yeah, as I said, it's not just about what it's. It, it definitely the when kind of comes into play when we're making these decisions with what we're eating. I was going to say to you, um, obviously, when you got into this, you got into it because there was a lack of information around what to do, how to do it, what to eat, when to sleep, all the right and wrong things for shift workers. 
But is this environment starting to change now a little bit or are you still finding that there's a lot more work to be done? Oh, I think I've only, yeah, it's just started. Um, right. Oh, I, yeah, most definitely. And that's been a real eye-opener for me, uh, Daniel, as, as I have gone more into workplaces um, mm. from a face-to-face or, you know, putting it in an online program. It has actually blown me away how no one had any idea about, um, yeah, how to eat well. And, of course, the, the concept that I that I speak about, you know, the sleep slash chrononutrition. And, you know, I've had people... I've, I, um, this does, does sound like it's coming from an ego perspective, but it's. I just want to. I was just to show us at a point is that I've I've really mm. lost count of the number of people that have told me and said come up to me and say, Audra, I wish I'd known about this twenty years ago. Wow. Or I even had a, a, a nurse um, that said to me, I wish I knew this. Uh, you know, forty five years ago. Um, you know, particularly the importance of sleep. And I just had to kind of chuckle back to her and I said, well, probably wouldn't have been much good to you because it would have only been about four years old. <laughs> <laughs> but it got like that, so no education through 40 years. Um, it's mm. just non-existent. And I knew that there was it was needed, but I, I had no idea how it's a massive gape. Um, and, you know, there is that duty of care that I feel that if you are a shift working organisation, you need to as a part of your, and this would be a dream for me, is to, for every induction training to offer, um, you know, this is what you, this is your job, this is how to be a police officer or a nurse or whatever, but this is what you need to know. This is a foundation of stuff as how to, how to remain a healthy shift worker. Because as you mentioned right at the beginning, um, Daniel, about a lot of shift workers don't just do this for one or two years. It becomes their career, 10, mm. 20, 30, you know, 40, you know, 50 years. I know a train driver that, you know, drove trains for 50 years but loved it, like wow. loved that job. Um, so, so yeah, so they're very vulnerable to developing these chronic health conditions and I really think that it, it is, it's a duty of care that employers need to inform their staff to at least let them know, um, you know, but, again, from a preventative perspective, if they start early that they can, um, you know, reduce their likelihood of, of developing um, these conditions. And it also, it's a bit of a two, it's also a couple of things there. It will, it will lead to lower sick leave, so better profits for the company. And you're also showing that if you're running something like this, you're showing or demonstrating to your staff, wow, you actually care about us, you're prepared to invest and bringing somebody in to talk to this, you know, it's an important topic and you get a little bit more, I think, respect, um, you know, from within the within the organisation if you can show your staff that you do actually care. Yeah, isn't it amazing that there's such a focus on workplace health and safety in basically every workplace that you go into, but in that health component of workplace health and safety this isn't being spoken about it sort of yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense to me but i can see how easily it could be overlooked because people don't obviously realize the health impacts that it can have so you bringing this to light is really important i think so yeah continue doing that work if you could see some uh basic changes being implemented in uh workplaces that have shift 
workers mm -hmm. or, or operate on shifts. What are some of those sort of fundamental changes that they could implement that would drastically help their employees? I think having um, the availability of healthy food is paramount. Uh, and um, I'm actually um, just recently collaborating with a, a company called the All Real Food, um, and they um, are amazing what they're doing. It's a, uh, a vending machine that just has mm. healthy food in it, all real food. Oh. Yeah, and I bumped into them a few years ago and then saw them again and um, they've kind of reached out to me and I'm do I'm actually doing some these, – these are actually in a few hospitals in, in Brisbane and I'm doing some educational stuff for them wow. through the – because they have a TV. It's quite amazing they have a TV attached to it. Um, so I'm helping to provide them with education around that chrononutrition food timing perspective um, and talking about sleep and everything uh, by just, you know, talking for about a minute or two while they're standing there, you know, getting their whatever. Um, and we've also divided it up into early shift, day shift, night shift, the foods in the machine because, again, it's just because it's a healthy, you know, healthy brownie um, doesn't necessarily mean it's good to have three of them at 2 o'clock in the morning. So it's that educational mm. perspective. So I would, you know, my dream would be to see something like that in every shift working workplace to be honest in, in the world in Australia absolutely because we you know they don't have access to you know all the shops are shut so you know ideally we want, right. we want to be able to prepare our own but you know things happen and you know we're not we've got things going and so if you can have the option of being able to pick out something from a vending machine that's super healthy um and that targets your specific work environment um then they would, I think, they would immediately notice, um, you know, start to sh notice a shift in sick leave because their mm. staff wouldn't be as sick. And, again, as I uh, said before, if you can show people um, or demonstrate people, you know, that you're putting these, you know, it kind of shows that you kind of do care, but it does have to come back to education because not everyone, um, I think we were talking about before we went to air, um you know, not everyone will necessarily do what we recommend. So, <laughs> <laughs> to put it nicely, um, so people have to understand the why, um, yeah. why, you know, not just the what and the how, they need to understand the why. So when um, I'm all about behavioural change, when people can understand the why, they're more likely to make better choices and decisions surrounding their health. Hmm. Um yeah, to get those, which ultimately will lead to, you know, better health outcomes down the track. Yeah, it's such a good idea to have those vending machines in those workplaces because, mm. yes, people can bring their own food along, but when you're shift working, you don't really feel like waking up after a long shift and then preparing your meals for your, your next shift. So it's a great idea. I think that would really benefit people if they rolled that out far and wide. Absolutely. Mm, brilliant. Yeah, and, you know, like we can do food preparation and make a few things in advance, but there are those times when, you know, everything falls apart and all of a sudden you're at work and you realise you don't have any food um, and, you know, you've got something like this available. It's Yeah, it's fantastic. It's such a brilliant initiative um, that they've done on, um, yeah, I'm certainly, you know, very pleased to be working with them as well to help because, uh, you know, the CEO is a very uh, big um driver around education as well so 
It's probably a coincidence in timing that I did a webinar last night on coffee and the uh, detrimental health effects on that. But do you see a lot of shift workers using coffee as a crutch? And um, there's a, probably a couple of aspects to this question. Um, do you find it that it, it is detrimental? Are they using it as a crutch? And what alternatives do you offer or uh, recommend? Yeah, and absolutely, um, it is with and energy drinks as well. So when you mm. you can sort of put that in with the coffee, it doesn't have to be just coffee. And energy drinks can be worse because they can be higher in caffeine and also all of the other things that are in that <laughs> in that energy drink. Not even just the caffeine; it's all the other um, things that they put into the drinks can be a problem. And uh, yeah, as I said um, before, you know there is that sort of as I call shift work stimulant sedation cycle they get kind of trapped around in it um Mm. now i would never say to a shift worker to never drink a cup of coffee again because Mm -hmm. they would probably throw things at me (laughs) (laughs) Um, probably yeah and again being an ex-shift worker i hear it i understand i know where you're coming from um although i would I never was a huge coffee drinker, but I would usually have one at the start of a shift, like in the, in the morning, if I was on an early shift or something. Um, and again, and so that kind of comes back down to again that timing. If people can be aware of, uh, you know, the, the half life between six and eight hours half life of caffeine, uh, you know, having that awareness that, you know, if you're drinking that coffee still at you know three o'clock in the afternoon by around nine o'clock. 10 o'clock at night, you've still got about half that caffeine buzzing around in your system and people aren't aware of that. They think, oh, you know, I've you know stopped having coffee ages ago. It won't affect me. Um, and they will also, you know, can say, oh, but I slept like a baby. Um, I I reckon if we hooked them up into, you know, those, those sleep machines, I can never remember the full name of it, but mm. I'm sure we would see their nervous system <laughs> buzzing um, because you've got that caffeine kind of going around in the system. And, you know, and, and two, I used to work with people that would quite easily have you know, four or five cups of coffee throughout their shift, every shift. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of caffeine, isn't it's it? It's a huge amount of caffeine and obviously they need more to get the effect. Um, yeah. And then it's that habit. Um, so I just, yeah, I just try and kind of recommend people to, stop you know around midnight yeah i'd probably be the only nutritionist in the world that says stop having coffee at midnight (laughs) 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 but that's if you're at work okay so if you're on a night shift (laughs) yes so that you're at least giving some time for the you know for it to get out of the system and then you know start replacing it with with water to keep your hydration because that's what's you know adding to the fatigue as well even having more even having replacing it with um again with some green tea with the water as well because even though it has traces of caffeine it also has l-theanine in it so it would reduce Mm. reduce that you know jitteriness um effect and that's where a lot of yeah we don't need to add that add an extra bit to the stoke to the to the poor nervous system which, That's right. which is what you know caffeine and that does so um yeah i remember when uh, um actually i remember my sister telling me this ages ago and she's a nurse she used to tell me that sometimes at the end of a night shift there'd be this uh, doctor would, that would offer you know like say five o'clock and they're about to finish at six saying oh okay i'm about to go for a coffee and donut run who's interested <laughs> <laughs> oh, and i said 
oh my gosh, a coffee and a what run? <laughs> a coffee and a donut run. So again, having that at the end of their shift when they're ideally going home to sleep, the sleep is not going to be happening anytime soon. No. Blood sugar crash. Um, yeah. So, yeah, education it, is important. Interesting habit to, to develop, but I guess they don't really think about the detrimental effects it could be, happen- uh, it could be having. Mm. Audrey, you've been doing some uh, interesting work as well because – You've got a Facebook page and you've got your own podcast. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you're actually doing with those things and the services that you offer and how people can get in contact with you if they're interested in finding out more about what you do? Yeah, sure. I actually don't do the podcast anymore. I did. Oh, you don't no, do it anymore? Yeah, no, I, um, I ran it for almost four years and I reached 99 episodes um, and I decided that I just needed a bit of a break from it. So, um, but it, they are all, all episodes are there still live on iTunes and, uh, you know, I still get people contacting me now saying, you know, they've listened to XYZ podcast um, and found value from it. So it's quite a funny, surreal this is a situation. Um, but uh, my, my website is uh, www.healthyshiftworker.com. So um, I primarily do corporate training for organisations, uh, but I also I also uh, do online uh, healthy shift worker programs for companies as well. So it becomes a bit of a training package um, and one-on-ones, um, you know, for, for people that are wanting uh, specific help. But I also wrote a book which was, uh a 10 year process <laughs> from start wow <laughs> from start to finish i always again you wanted to make a bit of a bigger impact and reach as many people as i could and i knew just seeing people one on one that was just not going to happen hence the podcast and and the book and um i yeah i from my idea of wanting to write a book to eventually getting it published was a 10-year process. I don't recommend anybody taking quite that long <laughs> if you're interested in uh, writing a book, but it's um, definitely a, a, a dream of mine and it's it certainly um, was has been very, very well received because there is nothing out there. Uh, and I wrote it from, a, from one shift worker to another um, and that I genuinely do care. So it's a bit of an emotional, put my heart and soul into it. Um, as I write, as I've written it, uh, and it's a holistic take on so taking a step back and um, addressing the, the the big things that that shift workers struggle with. And of course, the underlying factor is fatigue, but it is the the struggle with their weight. It's the stress. It's a poor immune system. Um, on strain on relationships and everything. I've always had a holistic take on things. Um, I do have recipes at the back of it, but it's um, yeah, very much a. Um, it's like a it's a as I kind of say it's the book is like a little bit of a hug for a shift worker <laughs> to say I get it. You know, this is just a it's a little guide for you to just know that there is somebody out there that does genuinely care. Um, and then I've obviously done quite a lot of research to um, find ways to get. Um, the best patient outcome or to, to move that dial. So to help to motivate and inspire people 
to start looking at some of the behaviours and, and that, that they've done and, um, yeah, and like I said, it's you're not destined to develop one of these chronic health conditions but if you start to take on board some of the suggestions that I've given, then it, it can help. So that's really cool about the book. What's the name of the book and where can people buy it? Um, the name of the book is Too Tired to Cook, The Shift Worker's Guide to Working and, Survi- like and Surviving in a 24-7 World. Um, and it's available uh, through most online book ret- retailers worldwide, Amazon, you know, Booktopia, uh, you know, so forth. So, yeah, it's, it's wow. available everywhere. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'll um I'll have to get the links to your website and the uh, places where people can buy your books, and I'll put that in the show notes so people can access it. Um, but yeah, is that resource mainly for shift workers, or do you think that clinicians could also benefit from that as well? Oh yeah, I even I do make reference um, that the book the book is written specifically for shift workers, but it is also designed to be uh, a tool that uh, clinicians can recommend for their shift working clients. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, as something that they can, you know, give them something. Okay, this is because I've always personally been about education, and I know a lot of the time when I've worked one on one with my clients, uh, I will usually recommend a book. <laughs> If I think that it's suitable for them and they're open to learning and they want to learn more, I will, you know, usually suggest a book. Um, so, yeah, my book is um, designed to be one of those tools to put on your treatment plan, I suppose, uh, as a little extra, extra thing and for them to even read it, uh, you know, themselves if they want to get an, an inside view uh, of, of some of the struggles uh, that shift workers, you know, experience and uh, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that uh, because over the years I went to various different health practitioners over the years and it's one of the reasons why I ended up writing the book is that I would kind of, I was going and I was wanting help but no one, they, I, I kind of always felt like I was put in the too hard basket and I was told that, you know, shift work is bad, you know, you should just quit kind of thing and I'm thinking, well, that's kind of not helpful I get it now. Yeah. I do get it now why they, they recommend that because we know yeah. how tough it is, but that doesn't help. And we need shift workers. We need nurses. We need doctors. We need police officers. And a lot of us really enjoy our job. Um, That's right. So um, by saying that can be quite, you know, demoralising. Um, so you mm. want to kind of provide that bit of an element of, of hope. You know, you could obviously say that, that, you know, you, you're prone to this kind of thing, but, you mm. know, this. This, there are things that you can do, and let's let's work with uh, with what you you know what your work environment is to kind of help lower your risks for developing you know chronic health conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we move into the last couple of minutes of the podcast, Audra, are there any final messages that you'd like to leave us with? Anything that we may have missed or not covered in as much detail during the podcast? This is a general thing to suggest, but I think Mm. that at the end of the day, I think we need to really start to appreciate and listen to our own bodies and we are and understand that we are really our own doctors, (laughs) our own best doctors because we need to, you know, listen to the feedback that our body gives us if we don't eat 
a certain, you know, if we eat a certain food or we do a certain behaviour and, uh, you know, and really listen to that and become more empowered that, you know, even just knowing that, that you, you know, do have control of your health and wellbeing can be an empowering thing to embrace. Uh, mm. And I think that we've almost been a bit disconnected with that over the years. We've kind of led to believe that we need to put all our faith and trust in, you know, one or two people to fix us kind of thing. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, no one's going to really come and save us per se. It's it's always going to be up to us to start, uh, you know, putting things into action. And, yeah, but just it's a, it's a good thing knowing that, you know, we have the power to change our health and and believe yourself and believe in that fact that you do and that you can because, uh, you know, anything's possible if you want to, you know, um, are determined enough to, to make something happen. I completely agree with what you're saying there and it's what it's all about is uh, empowering and educating people about the fact that they are the master over their own body and they mm. do have control over their own health and they can heal from things and they can pre- prevent diseases from occurring. So I think what you're doing is pretty awesome, Audrey. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I guess it helps It helps when you're passionate about something and, you know, you genuinely do come from a place of care and concern. Um, so, yeah, I, I have, even though I, I might say things to some of my clients or, you know, some of the attendees of my workshop that they may not like what I have to say, it's, I keep reminding them that this is a, coming from a place of genuine care and concern. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the coffee, you know, as an example. Um, <laughs> I do have your best in, interests at heart. So, um, yeah, mm. but thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for giving up your time to come and speak with me today. And, yeah, as I said, I'd like to get those uh, links to your book and your website and just put it up in the show notes so people can get in contact with you. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can chat again soon as I'm sure that there'll be a few other things uh, that we can discuss because I feel like we've only just scratched the surface here. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty big topic. And it affects a lot of people, two million, almost 2 million people in Australia alone. So there's a, yeah, a lot of people. And a, a lot of clinicians aren't very knowledgeable in this area. So I think if uh, we can help to educate them a little bit, maybe they'll be able to help out their clients who are shift workers as well. Uh, and we can spread that good message and that good work that you're doing. I would absolutely love that because... I'm just one person. I would love for everybody to embrace the the same, um, yeah, I guess, or similar, maybe not quite as passionate, um, yeah, in the health of, of shift workers. I would, yeah, I'd absolutely love that. More than, the more the merrier. <laughs> absolutely. Well, that's fantastic, Audra. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Daniel. It's, um, yeah, it's been a, an absolute delight talking with you and, yeah, appreciate uh, inviting me on the podcast. It's great. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.